Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. The Way In is the Way On is our series we've been going through for, for, for weeks and, and several months. And this month we're talking about joy, ironically, in what I think is like, like the month of the year. Maybe February is worse. Uh, but it's like, it's bleak, right? It's like after all of the adrenaline of the holidays, and I don't have to go on, you guys know what I mean. It's cold, you don't get to get outside as much. But here we are talking about joy. I'm joyful, are you? Let's be joyful together. We're learning about what it is and how important it is in the Christian life. And I have to tell you, I'm going to just admit right up, in, up front that I'm working this out myself. Okay, so this message is not one of those, hey, Chris has thought about this for like years and he figured it out, and now he's like just, here you go, folks, this is what it means. It's not one of those. I do have some of those, like I've preached a long time ago or, or many times. This isn't one of them. This is one of those, like, I'm learning alongside you, and things that I'm learning are really exciting for me. They're setting me free from th some things, like some wrong ways of thinking about joy and um, but it's also a little nerve-wracking because I'm standing up here not having, like, my thoughts fully together, so I might, you know, just be, be gracious. I might say some things that, you know, who knows what will happen. Um, we were planting a church uh, several years ago, about 20 years ago in central Ohio, and uh, we were about ready to buy this old furniture store and renovate it, and we had raised, raised the money and all that kind of stuff, and I went to the, the bank and was sitting with a loan officer who happened to be the father of one of my volleyball players at the high school. I coached volleyball at the local high school. And he was the father of one of my volleyball players, a really nice guy, Christian guy. We liked each other. We were chatting. And you know, I don't know why this sticks in my mind, probably for this moment right here and for me to use it as an illustration. But we were having this conversation, and I don't know why we started talking about like emotional health for some reason, like emotions, like I have a feeling that's, that's not very common occurrence when you're talking about like loans for a, you know, for a building. Uh, so I have no idea why, but I do remember that conversation, and I remember specifically what he said. He looks at me with a smile on his face, as he always had. He says, Chris, I, don't, I just choose to be happy every day. I just choose to be I don't know why we don't just choose to be happy. We could all just choose to be happy, and then our workplaces would be happier, and our world would be happier. I didn't say anything in response. I just smiled, just smiled. And one of the reasons was because he had, we hadn't signed the papers yet, and we, and, you know, we didn't. And it, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, the main reason is because I'm not a fast thinker, and I don't do well like, what do I think of that? I didn't know what to say. And so I had like these mixed feelings about that. Like, do you, can you just, I don't think I can do that. Like, my background and my DNA is more like melancholy. Can I just, like, choose to be happy? Okay. So that's a little bit in there, too, is, like, there are people who, like, think you can just choose to be happy, and maybe they can, God bless them. I can't do that. I don't think that that's joy. I don't think it's like, hey, the Bible says you should be joyful. Be joyful. Now, that gets into another thing that I've been working out. Like, when I went into ministry, uh, I was in ministry then, and, and various places teaching and leading and those kinds of things, and for most of my career... The culture that I was in, was there was pressure that I felt. I don't know if it was explicit. It might have been. Like, I might have heard teachings on this. Like, you know, 
If you are a faithful, obedient Christian, the evidence of that is joy. Kind of like our charismatic friends who have like the evidence of the Holy Spirit is tongues or signs, that kind of thing. That's kind of that culture, right? And there's some truth to that, right? And, and there's some truth to all of, I think, most of the churches that are, are Jesus-centered. But in the culture that I was in, the, the, the sign of the Holy Spirit being in you and being a leader in the church was, God is good. I'm good. And so I spent a couple decades trying to do that and experiencing when we were in Connecticut, there were times where I was experiencing anger and like, what is this? I'm like feeling, de- is this depression? And, and like, what is this? And I went to school every single morning and I was teaching the Bible classes to the high school kids. And I was teaching them about the faithfulness of God. And I was teaching them, about, you know, the goodness of God and what the Bible tells us about following Jesus. And and I'm having this stuff inside, and I'm trying to be like, yes, God is good on the outside. And is this, is this how this works? Is that what joy is? It's like, try it. Try to be that. Be that for other people because they need you to be that. So that's in there too. There's more stuff in there, but I, we don't have enough time for me to share everything that's going on in my mind about this. But. And how do you define joy anyway? You know, we've talked a little bit about that the last few weeks, and we're kind of unpacking what, what it means to be joyful. Is it the same as happiness? Uh, if, if, if it's happiness, then it's either I'm feeling happy or I'm feeling something else. It's like one or the other. So I can't feel joy unless I'm only feeling joy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that, that seems problematic too. I don't think that's biblical as well. So, so where we're going today is I think we're going a little deeper into what joy really is and how we experience it. And in fact, I think it can be a little dangerous if we don't go deeper. And, um, you know, the Starks figured this out a long time ago, and they built this church on the premise that, you know, we need to be real with each other. The Christian life is, is a life where we're authentic and transparent with God and with each other. And if we don't go deeper into joy, I think that's really elusive, that, that community is really elusive because if we stay on the surface level of what joy is, we're going to hide what's really going on inside of us for the sake of projecting whatever, faithfulness, trust. Does that make sense? So I think this deeper understanding of joy actually kind of aligns with who we are as a church, being real, being real with God, being real with each other. So our teaching today is to be an encouragement and a challenge an encouragement that joy really is accessible, practical, available, that God loves us to experience joy and a challenge. Because like everything else we've been saying about the way in is the way on, it takes practice. And this is one of the keys for me that really helped kind of unlock the depths of joy for me and it's really set me free in a lot of ways. So let's get into this. I've, um, I've been studying psychology and positive psychology and how the brain works. It's fascinating to me. And just in the last three, four, five years, there have been really thoughtful Christians and theologians who also have been studying and reading the studies on brain science. And they're combining the two things of like, how does brain science help Christians to follow Jesus more fully and help us to understand the Bible and our bodies and how we relate to each other and to God. And so 
Um, Alan Shore is um, asked this question on what does our brain thrive? Um, and I have a happy brain there who's running and sweating and smiling. And some, I know some of you, I put the picture up there, I'm like, some of these people are going to be like, if I was running and sweating, I would not be smiling. Uh, but just kind of imagine that, that this, this is a joyful brain. Alan Shore is uh, kind of the Einstein of brain science. He's been doing it longer and better and deeper. He's brilliant. You can, you know, Google some of his messages uh, on YouTube and, and all that stuff. And, and he concluded that the brain thrives, scientifically speaking, is most alive, works best on joy. Here's the thing that's really cool. Alan Shore is not a Christian. Not it's cool that he's not a Christian. That didn't come out. That's what I meant, like stuff is going to come out. It's not cool that he's not a Christian. But it's really cool that here, here science is like, oh, when you study the brain, it is most alive and most functional. It thrives on the very thing that God wants for us. And so he said the brain thrives on joy, and he defined it this way. Someone who is glad to be with me and being the sparkle in someone's eye. So instead of just like, like explaining that more, let's just do that right now, okay? So we're going to do a couple of these, uh, just like little activities, and so we're going to do that right now for like 60 seconds, okay? So we're going to close our eyes, go ahead and close your eyes, and you're going to imagine someone who loves to be with you and you just come into their presence and their, light, their face lights up. That's joy. Just a little taste of joy. Come back now. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. It's not time. That's joy. Cornea science, anyway. That's what our brain thrives on. It's kind of the fuel that our brain uses to, to run. So if that's true, let's look in the Bible. We're Christians and we're like, okay, science seems to say this. Let's, what does the Bible say? How does that jive? Because the Bible really is our foundation. We don't find everything in the Bible scientific, of course. It's not what it's for. But the Bible is really the foundation of our faith and the foundation of truth for us. And so this is my favorite one. I put it first. Um, we don't have time. You guys know that the Bible's full of like rejoice and be joyful and all that kind of stuff, and we've seen that the last few weeks. But this is my favorite one. This is Deuteronomy. If you know the Bible, Deuteronomy is way back in the Old Testament. Early on in the life of the Israelites, when they were in the wilderness, you know, you guys know the story, right? Like Egypt slaves, you know, Red Sea, they go into the wilderness for 40 years, and for that 40 years, God shapes them into the kind of people that he wants. Like they weren't his people before, and they were his people now, and now he gives them these laws, and he gives them festivals to celebrate who God is. And here's the command. Isn't this hilarious? Number one, be joyful at the festival. Like, no, this is one of two ways, I thought. Like, this is like the parent, you know, or the spouse, you know, going to a, a surprise party that you know is going to be a surprise party and you're an introvert and you're like, I hate surprise parties. Yeah, but be joyful. <laughs> Go on to the party. So it could be that, 
or this is what I think it is. This is what I think it is. God's shaping these people who they may not know that you're allowed to be joyful with God because they might very well be afraid of God because of their past experience. Remember, they were pagans. They were worshiping idols. Why do you worship idols? To appease the gods. You're not joyful in their presence. You're like, I really hope that you don't kill me now, and I'm going to give you a sacrifice. That's what they believed in. So here's God saying, no, 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 no. My presence, be joyful. That's my favorite one. Others, you're probably familiar with this kind of language. The whole earth is filled with, the awe, with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. So, how widespread is God's joy? Whole earth. When is God's joy? Beginning to end. This is what the psalmist believed. Okay? Another psalm. You make known to me the path of life in your presence. Good memory verse. In your presence is fullness of joy. On and on and on. You can do this on your own. Throughout the Bible, the word rejoice, joy is all through there. It seems like joy and rejoice are at the heart of what it means to be a, uh, be a people of God. Okay, so we're, we're kind of all together on that. I think you probably knew those things already. Here's where it really gets interesting. Remember how I opened this, this, uh, this message about talking about like, you know, different ways you can think about joy and like not quite deep joy, a shallower joy. I really want to go deeper into discovering a richer experience of joy. And so, and how to think about joy, the other half of the church. So here, there's our passage for today. Numbers 20, uh, 6, 24 to 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. What word is not in our passage? Joy is not in our passage. Isn't that fun? Am I piquing your interest? Right? It's like speaking of joy, and joy is not in the passage itself. But what is there? The face. Right? Turn his face. Then may the Lord, uh, the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. You may be familiar with this blessing. This is kind of like the Old Testament blessing equivalent of the New Testament, the Lord's Prayer. You know, like in the, in the New Testament, uh, disciples and Jesus, hey, if you could teach us to pray, what would be the one way we, we would pray? Here's, you know, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. In the Old Testament, God spoke through Moses, and Moses told Aaron, the high priest, this is how I want you to bless my people. Right here, this is it. This is the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So here's where science and the Bible really inform the depth of joy. When we think of joy in the terms of the Lord's face shining on us, because he loves to be with us, smiling on us. We are the, the, the twinkle in his eye. When we think of it in those terms, then we look in the scripture and it gets super interesting. Unfortunately, a lot of translations translate this thought out. Uh, for instance, Psalm 89:15, blessed are those who have 
learns to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence. What do you think this literally means? You guys know, you guys know that the Bible like, wasn't written in English, right? I mean, really. I mean, some people, like, we just have to remind ourselves it's, everything's a translation unless you read the original Hebrew. It's all translated. And so different translators had different approaches and everything. And so it's, it makes sense that they would think, this is what I think they're getting at. So I'm not, I'm not criticizing the translation. I'm just simply saying, man, let's learn about joy and, and recognize what the Bible might actually be saying. So this is what the literal Hebrew says, in the light of your face. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your face. You can understand why they didn't just leave it like that. <laughs> like, like, what does that mean? We need to interpret that. And so they interpreted it. Here's another one. Psalm 1611, in the presence, uh, in, we just read this one, in, in your presence is fullness of joy. Here's what the Hebrew says. Abundance of joy with your face. <laughs> you see, well, you know, you get the point, right? Here's a, here's a third one. Psalm 21.6, you make him joyful with gladness in your presence. You make him happy with joy with your face. So this is, all, this is all something that I've learned from this author in the other half of the church. And it's really fascinating, isn't it? Like if this is kind of at the heart of joy, what is joy? It's the smiling, shining face of God that is at the heart of the blessing of the people of God. Like what God is thinking, what do I want to bless them with? What do I want their priests to bless the people? Like what is that blessing? It's my shining face turned toward them. And so he, he had three conclusions here. First, joy is primarily transmitted through the face, especially the eyes and secondarily through the voice. Second, joy is relational. It comes when we feel we are with someone who is happy to be with us. And third, joy is important to God and to us. So good. So let's unpack this a little bit. We're talking about the fullness of joy. Here's what this means for our faith in following Jesus. God designed our brains to run on joy like a car runs on fuel. To seek it. To pursue joy. He made us that way. And he made himself the source, the ultimate source of joy that he wants to pour out onto us. Isn't that fascinating? So our brain, scientifically speaking, the right side of our brains, which is the, the relational and the emotional, is, is constantly scanning the environment for people who want to be with us. Because that's what our brains are like, where's the joy? Where's the joy? I want to run on joy. And so like church, this is, this is where the shall, this is where we get, get into trouble if we don't go deeper with joy. We go into church and so many churches are like doing their best, right? They're trying to do their best and they teach like joys in the Bible, be happy and you know, God is good and all of those kind of things that I mentioned. They're doing their best. I really empathize with that. And I was doing my best for a long time. And you come into these churches and, you know, people are happy and you're, you're trying to be happy. And that's their approach. Like, there's a smiling face. There's some truth to that, right? Smile at each other, experience the joy. So there's some truth to, like, just choosing it. There's some truth to that. 
We can't choose to make others smile at us. We can, maybe we can do something funny or something like that, you know, to make them smile. We can't make them, uh, make them to be happy to see us. But the choice is for us to see God smiling on us all the time. Just let that sink in. The choice is for us to believe the blessing that God's face is turned toward us, shining on us and smiling on us all the time, in every circumstance. So let's unpack this for a minute. This understanding of joy allows us to feel pain at the same time, to suffer all of the things that it means to be human, right? To experience the brokenness of the world and and relationships because God smiles on us when we are in pain. He is with us. I don't know if you've you've been in the hospital bed or you've been in pain at some point and someone who loves you comes in, right? And the smile is not a smile of like, hey, it's going to be fine. That's that's not helpful. The smile is like, oh, I love seeing you. I'm so glad that I'm here. I want to be with you in this. So this understanding of joy allows us to like feel the feels, to be real with each other. How are you today? Life stinks. Life is painful. Uh, We have friends whose uh, son just got married uh, in September, I think, uh, recently. And, you know, 25 or something like that. And they just got married and they're they're starting their life out. And his his now wife had uh, cancer and she'd been going through cancer treatments. And there was remission talk. And then, you know, they had the ceremony and there was celebration. And a month later, they did the scans and there's just, she's, her body is ravaged with cancer. And so what I'm not going to do is send them joy texts and say, hey, it's going to be fine. Wait, that's not helpful. That's not what we're talking about. That, that's a little shallower understanding of joy. Hey, the Bible tells us to be joy, be joyful. That's, but I do send them Scripture, prayers, I'm with you in this, you know, hope in God. God, I know, is with them in that. He is smiling on them. And in the midst of our pain, we can turn our face upward and see that God's face is turned toward us, smiling on us. I love you. I am with you. I know exactly what you're feeling. Here's another thing. Maybe some of us are thinking, okay, God's always, is God always smiling on us? Always, Chris, always? My behavior sometimes, every once in a while, very rarely, might not warrant a smile from the holy and glorious Lord of the universe. My thought life, every once in a while, might bring something other than a smile to God's face. Is, so that's, that's real, right, Chris? Okay, here's how I think about this. This is me, me thinking through this with you. I think there's a distinction between God loving and smiling on us and his approval of our behavior. And here's why. I really believe, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with this until somebody tells me I'm wrong. I really believe that if, if I'm in sin and I'm being disobedient and I've turned away from God or, you know, he's called me to something and I'm, I'm, like, I'm, like, 
I'm like, Jonah, no, I'm going this other direction. You guys know what sin, like I don't have to talk about sin, right? I don't have to describe it. You know, you know what that is. Okay. Um, if I'm in sin, God's face shining on me and smiling at me provides what again? Joy. And so if I'm turned towards sin and I'm like consuming something or escaping something, you know what I'm pursuing? Joy in those things. Your brain, like the dopamine, you can get a dopamine fix from very harmful things. We all know that, right? And so if if I turn in my sin and I'm like, oh, I can kind of feel the sunlight of God's shining face on me, what does that do for me? I turn away from my sin. I'm like, oh, that's, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the smiling face of God shining on me. I believe that God can feel all kinds of things at the same time. And of course, He disciplines us. And of course, you know, our sin has consequences. Of course, all of those things. This isn't a message about the consequences of sin. This is a message about what God sees and what we see when we turn to God. I believe he's always smiling on us. I believe it's like when you, you know, we've, we've, we've all been there. You know, you're looking at something incredibly cute, you know, you're looking at a little baby, or you're looking at a little puppy, you know, how many millions of dollars do these, you know, YouTube things are just, let's just watch puppies all day, or watch like baby pigs, or whatever. It's like, why, why, why? Like, we know that now, right? Dopamine, joy, Smiling, I can't stop smiling at you. I can't stop smiling. You know, the baby poops its diaper. I can't stop smiling at you. Unless it's yours, of course. And then you're like, I gotta go change the diaper. I think that that's more of what scripture means of joy. It's like, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of what we're doing, God is smiling on us, inviting us, in this case, to repent and to turn back to Him. Isn't that wonderful that God's joy is not dependent on my good behavior? Think of the freedom that that gives us. (laughs) For years, I I don't know that I could have articulated it, but I kind of like thought, okay, yeah, God will bless me, right? You know where I'm going with this? God will bless me if... um, you know, and there's truth to this again. There's truth to this. God will bless me if I'm obedient, if I kind of, if I kind of like push through my, my depression and I push through my anxiety. God will, God will meet me there, and there's truth to that. But I think there's a deeper understanding that God is there with us, smiling on us, giving us what we need. It's not the push through. It's the turning toward Him, and then He gives us what we need. Like we actually desire what He wants for us more than we desire that other thing. We don't have to like make God smile at us. We don't have to behave for him to smile at us. Isn't that wonderful? It's always smiling on us. As someone I always remember when I think about this kind of person who kind of understood the depths of joy like in her whole being, um, her name is Alice, and here's a picture of her. That's Alice. Uh, she was 80-something. Uh, she is an Eskimo. It's the old woman, not the little boy. So uh, maybe the little boy is joyful. I don't know. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't let me know. 
Alice is, so this is in uh, Sabunga, Alaska. I and five other adults, uh, my future wife at the time, Sarah, was there. And we were on a mission trip to Alaska. I was, you know, early 20s, uh, end of college, and it was part of, this, part of this missions conference that they would send a group of college kids out uh, to somewhere in the world to get the mission experience for like four or five weeks in the summer, and then we would come back and we'd report uh, at the conference, the missions conference in the town where I grew up in. Uh, so anyway, so our group was sent to Savunga, Alaska, which is a little island off of the, Savunga's the, the village, the island off of the uh, coast of Alaska. And, um, you know, you know why you send kids, college kids on mission trips, right? Right, to, to meet Jesus, all that stuff, yeah. But to, like, humble them, right? Because when you're 20 and you're, like, a Christian or you're, like, figuring things out, you're like, oh, I think I know everything I need to know, you know, and I can, I can, I can handle any situation and, you know, I got what it takes. And, and so we get there and, like, boom, in your face, it's like, I don't have what it takes. And that's kind of the point, right? As you go to these places around the world where people are living in, you know, poverty that you've never seen before. And so we, that's what it was. They were living in poverty. They're, 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 it's, it feels like a third world. It is part of Alaska, but it feels like third world. It's, you know, hopeless and cold most of the time, and the sun doesn't rise like half of the year. And it's like, oh, my gosh. And our group looked around at each other and were like, five weeks? I can't believe anybody lives here. I can't believe anybody survives. And in fact, a lot of people didn't. You know, we learned as we were there that uh, a very high percentage of the kids, uh, so, so growing up there, kids would go to you know, elementary school and high school, and then by the time they graduate, if they graduated, they were probably an alcoholic, or their brains were so um, destroyed by sniffing gasoline, um, or they had committed suicide. And some very small percentage of the kids didn't, none of those things applied, and they left to go to the mainland to the university, and they found a life. Very small percentage. Hopeless. It felt hopeless. And so a few days into that experience, really just a few days, we had church service, and it was a nice little church, and it's, you know, kind of a missionary church, and, and this is, you can see the pews there were just, you know, little wooden pews, and, and it was maybe, I don't know, maybe a quarter of the size of this room, maybe smaller, a little bit bigger than this stage, I guess. And we were there worshiping, it was a nice Presbyterian service, that was the, that was the group we were with, and uh, it was nice, you know, there were, we had hymn books, and we were singing, and nice message, and we got to the final hymn, and I'd been raised Presbyterian, and, and like, I've been to, you know, hundreds of these services, and it was fine, it was good, and it was a Presbyterian service, and we got to the end, and we started the, 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 the hymn, and I thought, this is the last hymn, and then we're going to finish, I liked the hymn, and I was going to sing the hymn, and you know, you know, and then the service was going to be over, and that's not what happened. So the piano starts into How Great Thou Art. You guys know that one, right? And hymn books open, standing up, starting, piano goes, and there's, I look up. It was, I was kind of back, and I'm looking up in the front, and there's Alice. Arms up. Just how great thou art. 
tears, like making their way down her wrinkles. You know, smiling. How great thou art. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation, you know that verse? And take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Of course, all of us took note of her arms up because Presbyterians don't raise their arms. And we were looking like, what, what, is, what is happening over there? Oh, she's raising her hands. Is she charismatic? Is she? And then it was like, oh, look, look. Like I didn't look at my hymn book the rest of the time. I'm staring at her because you know what I was noticing? That's right. That's right. Joy. Oh, that's, that's joy right there. Here is a woman who spent 80 years of her life in this village. Never went to the mainland. Never had aspirations, career aspirations fulfilled. Experienced all of the poverty. Experienced the death of children and grandchildren who were hopeless or were addicted to alcohol or addicted to gasoline. She experienced all of these things, the pain of all of these things. And yet, how great thou art. Isn't that amazing? Stick with me the rest of my life. As we got to know this woman, we learned what it looked like to experience joy in the midst of pain and suffering. She turned her face upward to experience the shining face smiling on her of God. I'm going to transition to closing here with just some practical things. Uh, it takes practice. This is not, I don't think joy is, is something that is elusive. I think that would be mean of God to make this central to who we are as humans and our faith and make it super elusive. Uh, I think he makes it very accessible to us. So, so let's get practical. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some practical things and we're going to practice something and then we'll, and then we'll transition into uh, worship. So, um, this is another book that I recommend, The Joy Switch. It's kind of, it's kind of trite. I don't really like the, the, the name of it. But anyway, there it is. Um, and he recommends these things, cars. So, you know, memory, device, connection, appreciation, rest, and shalom. We don't have time to go through all of these. Um, you, can, you can learn a little bit more of these. But you understand connection is the relational piece, right? Um, for us to experience joy, what can we practice? We can practice getting together with people who like to be with us. Isn't that church, right? It can be other things, of course, teams, whatever, family, of course, hopefully. Um, uh, and, but, but church, like, like small groups, like that's at the heart of like community and church is like, let's go be with people who want to be with us, who when we walk into the room, they literally smile at us and their body says to, says to us, we love that you're here. That's a central part of what it means to be human and to be a Christian. That's connection. Appreciation, we're going to practice this one in a minute. This is, this is more gratitude. 
Um, he uses cars, you know, C-G-R-S really isn't a word. So appreciation or gratitude, this is, this is scientific. Like gratitude, uh, Alan Shore, who I mentioned earlier, said the gateway to joy is gratitude. Maybe some of you have read the studies now. I think it was mentioned in the last couple weeks. There have been studies done about how gratitude, not even religious gratitude, just gratitude points us toward joy. It's how we're wired. So that's what he says. Uh, rest uh, is just that. We rest our bodies. We rest our minds through, through breathing and resting. And then shalom is, is an interesting one. I'm not sure exactly what he's getting at. But sh- shalom is that, is that uh, Hebrew word. Hebrew, right? It is Hebrew, right? Okay. Uh, that was one of those things I didn't work this out. So shalom is one of those Hebrew words. It, it's just like everything is right in the world. You ever been in that place? It's just like, I don't want to be anywhere else in the world right now. This is where I want to be. My body is at rest. My mind is at rest. My soul is at rest. And so we have shalom manifested for us every day in our house through our dog. Do you have a dog? This is our dog. This is how he rests. Um, this is dream. And you see, he, he's not even asleep, you know? It's like I could understand if he's sleeping. No, he's awake. He's looking at me. Now, some of you are thinking, like, if I tried that, that would not be shalom. Okay, um, but you get the idea. He just lets his body, whatever. He's safe. He's at rest. That's shalom. And so um, that's another way to experience joy as well, is that our bodies are in shalom. And, and did you know that you can, like, tap into that through yawning? Science tells us that. So that's, that's one of my takeaways. So let's practice this. We're going to do, do this. This is just my quote to motivate us. We're going to take a few minutes to end this with some practice. The brain trained on appreciation and gratitude will search the environment for good things to enjoy, while the untrained brain will look for things to criticize and complain about. Appreciation is the practice that increases neuronal, the the neurons in our brain, density in one of the most complex regions of the brain. This means those who regularly practice gratitude require less effort to be grateful because it is a habit. Gratitude changes our brain and our relationships. So let's practice right now, shall we? So here's a practice. Um, uh, think of a name. Uh, think of and name a gratitude memory. So we did this a second ago with just like someone. I said, think of someone. Now I want you to think of a memory, okay? That was just like it felt like everything was right in the world. And like I loved this experience. It could be a big deal, you know, life-altering. It could be a smaller deal, just like a family vacation. Here's, my, here's one of mine. Uh, this, is, this is us a few years ago, and then I named it, I called it Bermuda Body Surfing, okay, because we're in Bermuda Body Surfing. That's not a mystery. Uh, so that's, yep, that's Anna and Peter, and that's me, and, and Sarah's taking the picture, obviously. And so we're, we're body surfing in this, uh, on this beach that my dad took me to, and my dad grew up in Bermuda, and so there's all of that going on. I feel like I'm in a place where my dad took me, and I feel close to him and feel close to my family. So it's just a great memory. Okay, so think of your memory. I'm going to give you a second here. Okay, and then what we're going to do for a few minutes is we're going to breathe just slowly, and we're going to go there in our minds. And here's the amazing thing about your brain. Your brain actually kind of mimics the actual experience when you remember it. So we're going to sense it. And while remembering, we're going to notice all five senses. We're just going to do this like for a minute or two. You can do it longer at home. And then ask God, and during that, ask God what he has for you. Does that make sense? So go ahead and close your eyes. Let's just breathe slowly in and out, just whatever's comfortable. 
kind of settles the mind and go there to that place in your memory, noticing your senses and just asking God as you go. If you get distracted, fine. Don't beat yourself up. Just come back to the memory. Okay, so that's a little taste of a practice. And if you want to stay in that, fine. I'm, I'm kind of finishing up. We're going to go into worship. You can kind of stay there if you'd like to. Uh, worship team can come on up. Here's my invitation. I didn't talk about this, but we, we're, we kind of know this. The first one, seek God's smiling face through worship or spending time in his creation or play. David talked a lot about that last week. And then cars. Connect with someone who likes you, whose face lights up when they see you. Appreciation. Unwrap what he calls a gratitude gift. Spend five minutes a day with gratitude memory. Unplugged, undisturbed, quiet, slow breathing. Four by four by four by four is just four in. Hold for four, out for four, hold for four. And then rest, lie down, use the breathing technique, and shalom, make yourself yawn ten times in a row. That's not a joke. Try that. Science has shown that it resets peace in your brain and in your body. Last thing I just want to say as we, as we enter into worship is I remember, um, I don't know, Anna, if you remember this, you were about, you were about uh, six weeks old. And <laughs> you did. Uh, you know, we, we had experienced four years of infertility, and so Anna was just kind of, you know, just life, life-changing having this first baby. And so, you know, life, life was just wonderful. And we took, her, we took her, you know, after the first few weeks, we took her to church, and we were planting the church at the time. And, and we took her to church in the, in the stroller. You know, she can't move, and she's just there, and she's looking up. And she was super, like, attentive, and, she, you know, like, she was always noticing things. She's looking around. I remember it's after church. And this, again, a specific memory. It's after church, and we're in kind of the lobby area, and, you know, we're mingling around, and people, and, like, people are coming to see her because they knew our story. They walked with us through the infertility, and super excited for her, and, and you know, she's looking around, looking, you know, looking at everybody, and, and I was standing there, and we're talking about her, and I was talking with somebody. I don't remember who it was, just a friend, and I walked over in, into the front of her stroller, and I bent down. And I went, hi, and she went like this. That's God all the time.